Hello and welcome to In Conversation with Lisa Burke. It's been lovely to see life flow back into the city and towns as people return to work in offices and children finally returning to school. The exceptionally good weather has meant that September has been buzzing for the restaurants and cafes too. Much needed custom after Covid quarantine. But we can't take things for granted. We don't know what might happen. And that really is the realm of looking at trends, estimating the future and making calculated guesses, which leads me on to welcoming our guest this week, Mark Lauer, the CEO of Foyer Group and chairman of the board of directors for the Association of Insurance and Reinsurance Companies here. Mark, welcome. Thank you. It's wonderful to have you here. And just a little bit about yourself. You became an actuary and then you've spent, I think, your entire life working in insurance. Yes. So the first thing I'd like to ask you, in fact, for anybody who doesn't know, is what is an actuary? An actuary is somebody who's trying to link maths to economics. In fact, he's dealing a lot with probabilities and that's very needed in insurance where you have to guess how much uh, claims will come to the company, how much claims you have to pay. Nowadays, an actuary is a very large profession which touches a lot of different things, maths, probabilities, data science nowadays too, and of course, economics and finance. And just thinking about that in your work in insurance, and you've really lived all sorts of insurance lives with various companies you've been in, it's all about measuring risk. How would you go about doing that in these times where we have a changing dynamic of risk? Yeah, that's always the challenge of all uh, people working in insurance, all actuaries and all other people working in insurance. Normally, the classical way of measuring risks is looking what has happened in the past and trying to get an extrapolation of that describing the future. That's been quite tricky during this left-field COVID environment we're in. Yeah, that was not on our models. That was unforeseen. There were people who had said that such a uh, pandemic could come, but uh, it was never modeled in an insurance model or in a model uh, of such a pandemic. Also, the economical consequence of the COVID crisis, we didn't foresee at all. I was traveling end of February, coming back, 1st of March in Luxembourg, I couldn't imagine at that moment that we would have two weeks later a lockdown. And how do you deal with that from an insurance point of view on two fronts? One is, as you say, your mathematical modelling doesn't currently incorporate such unusual situations. And I can think even going to university level or trying to involve this in teaching people who are going to become insurers or those mathematical data analyzers. How do you teach your models, your AI systems to incorporate that? And secondly, with the money that you have in this situation, which is financially unstable, what are you thinking about with the money? So first of all, our models didn't foresee anything like that. As a Luxembourgish insurance company, which is still in an uh, European environment quite small, we reinsured heavily to reinsurers which are more internationally working, but they didn't foresee for such situations neither, I think. When it started, the first thing you're doing is trying to keep your company going and introducing all safety measures for your personnel. We started to try to get as much as possible our people in telework. Then, of course, you look, how can you serve your clients? Because the life still continues. There might be risks. There might be house fires. We tried that our agencies, our intermediaries, were still in contact with the clients, not 
physically, but via video conferences, via telephone. And then the second is, of course, how can we adapt to such crisis? For the moment, there's no single private financing system which can resolve a situation like we're in. ACA is in a discussion with the government to find out how we best in a kind of private-public partnership we could solve or better respond to an, a situation similar to this one when it might come next time. Such an open economy as we are and also knowing that we had once a lockdown which was extremely heavy for the economy and that we do not have a second lockdown. That would be just outrageously bad for the economy. As we move into the autumn times, I don't think anybody quite knows what will happen with the global economy, but we'll park that for a moment. You used to work for a regulator, the Commissariat aux Assurances, uh, rising to a member of the Management Committee, and now you're CEO of a regulated entity. How has your viewpoint of regulation changed? In Luxembourg, we had a stringent but pragmatic supervision system in insurance, which was still over the last 20 years a market which has grown enormously. Stringent, so we apply the rules strictly, but trying to apply them to the situation of the market, to the size of the companies. This has continued over the years, knowing that the framework got much more complicated, knowing that the interaction in between national and European supervisors get more and more intense, being now on the side of the supervised, of course, I would be happy with less supervision. And when there is an occasion to discuss it, I'm always insist on having a better, more efficient supervision. But for those moments I'm looking to other countries, I think we're not so bad off. Well, I was thinking about other European nations. We don't view insurance equally. I mean, I can understand the Irish or British point of view. And apparently, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, Germans have more insurance per capita, per head of the population. Do you happen to know the different stats between the different nations of how we view insurance across Europe? Every country has its own characteristics. They are very specific. In uh, Luxembourg, France, for example, Belgium, you buy bundled products. You buy, for example, a house insurance, which not only uh, covers your fire risk, but also your liability risk. And all this is bundled in one product. And it's, I think, very easy for the policyholder and it's very complete. So you're well covered. In Germany, by tradition, I don't know why, but by tradition, you buy each and every guarantee by itself. There's a habit in this market and consumers want to continue to do so. All temptations of insurance companies to change the habits of the consumers failed. So every market has very specifics, how the insurance products are sold and also how the claims are handled. And so you don't see us moving towards a pan-European insurance market anytime soon? There are definitely insurance activities which are more destined for a pan-European market. And then there are these specificities due to local rules, local legislation, which make that the market still keeps very fragmented uh, on a national basis. So life insurance, pension insurance is easier to sell it throughout Europe than, uh, for example, the classical fire insurance or the uh, classical car insurance. I'm glad you mentioned life insurance because... We use this phrase in the UK to actually talk about something more akin to death insurance. So it's a very popular insurance here in Luxembourg, and I'm not sure everybody's aware of what it is. Can you explain what is life insurance and should we have it? So if you look at the stats in Luxembourg, we have enormous premium income. But most of that premium income is not done in Luxembourg by 
But uh, in the European market, there are a lot of insurance companies here in Luxembourg mostly serving the international life market and not so much serving the local market. For the local market, if you want to have an insurance, a life insurance, there are mostly two situations in which you want to have a life, what we call a life insurance. The one is more death insurance. You take a big loan, you want to cover your family if something might happen to you. The family is covered, the insurance is paying the rest of the loan if you would be in the unhappy and sad situation of death. Then the second part is pension insurance. You know, we have uh, here in Luxembourg a very good first pillar social security system pension. Beside, you might have second pillar, what we call, that's uh, the employer paying some pension for you. And the third one is that you self, if not happy with what you get, and some people are not, then you can save for yourself. And this is fiscally here in Luxembourg encouraged. Which is a, a wonderful opportunity for people who work independently as freelancers. At the beginning, it was mostly done only for employees, but there has been now a regulation, fiscal regulation and also a social security regulation which supervised that everything is safe for uh, those people choosing such a pension contract. Now it's also allowed then for freelancers. Now, one of the things that expats sometimes feel when we move to Luxembourg, thinking about home insurance, but particularly car insurance, it's so expensive. Why is that? There are two reasons. First of all, because everything is expensive in Luxembourg. Okay, okay. Give me the other reason. No, <laughs> it's no, really, no, I mean, it's even like beyond what the normal no, kind of percentage up is. <laughs> uh, the, the big claims we pay here in Luxembourg, fire insurance is if something's burning down. And if just the house, the construction is much more expensive than somewhere else, we have to pay more. And then the average, also the premium has to be in relation with the claim. So car insurance is the same. You might say, oh yeah, the cars cost all the same everywhere in the world. Yes, there you're right. But this is only a little part of our claims. The big part of our claims, not so many, but if they happen, very expensive, is if somebody in a car accident gets injured. And what do you pay then? You pay medical costs and the loss of salary. And if the salaries are big, the claim is big, and if the claim is big... It comes the, back on us. The premium is big. Okay. That's one. <laughs> the other thing is, yes, I spoke beforehand of the different characteristics and habits of a market. We have quite high premium, but almost no deductibles. Luxembourgish uh, consumers normally do not want deductibles. Of course, if you introduce deductibles, which is very often the case in other countries, you avoid to pay all the small claims, which have a cost too. Other very special characteristics in Luxembourg, that's for the young drivers. If you go to Belgium, if you're a young driver and you want to have an insurance, it's extremely difficult because they ask you to pay two or three times more than your parents pay. Here, young drivers do normally not have a premium which is much higher than the average premium. Two reasons, habits of the market and the general economic situation here in Luxembourg. Well, I look forward to the day when my daughters uh, want to start driving. If they will be driving, that is, of course, unless something's happened with a self-driving car. So that, that, that'll be a different insurance risk. We'll, we'll, we'll wait for that day and I'll yeah, have you exactly. back to talk about that. Here in Luxembourg, there are brokers. Now, for instance, other countries, we often buy insurance online. We use comparative sites to get the best deals. We shop around. So do you think we need brokers? Do you think they're a good idea? Or is it a dying, dying role, a dying job? I don't think it's dying. 
The job of the broker or the insurance intermediary, because we, we make the distinction in between agents, which only work for one company or broker, who's in fact uh, working for different companies, who's mandated by the client to try to find a good, a good insurance. Why do I think that online is not the answer to everything? Some things are very easy to do online because it is easy if you have three or four clicks and everything is done. We think that the intermediary is there to help the client in more difficult situation. In a situation not only to sell him something, but also in, in the situation of claims. And I can tell you, if you have had a claim, if it's not just that your phone fell off the table, but it's more an, an important claim, you will feel very insecure. You will have so much other things crossing your mind and all the times, beside all these things, you think, is my insurance paying? Have I had the right coverage? And then you have two things. You go on the internet, you wait 20 seconds that the computer starts, you find the page, uh, you mistype three times, you're extremely nervous, you're extremely stressed. If you have a phone number, you can call somebody and say, Listen, I take care of all the administrative stuff. Don't worry about it. You're insured. We will take care of the claim. No problems. Let's go for it. You take care of your family. You take care of your personal situation. That's a value too. Very often, people think that insurance is only paying premiums. And if it were so, me as an insurer, I could be very happy. But it's also about paying claims, about handling claims in the best way for the client. I can tell you, if you had a bad accident and you take out your smartphone to put in your claims details, your fingers are shivering. Calling just your insurance company. Some have apps where you just have to push a kind of red button. It will help a lot. The human, the human contact. Yeah. Nothing, nothing beats it. So I, I will not say that everything will continue to be intermediate by agents or brokers. There's also a place for digital but I don't, I don't believe that everything will be digital. Now, thinking about your role as chairman of ACA, the Luxembourg Association of Companies for Insurance and Reinsurance, tell us about what they do. What's your role there? And what's the bit that is called reinsurance? So ACA is an organization which has now some uh, 60 years. Over the last years, as I said beforehand, the Luxembourg market has changed enormously. We have had four phases in the Luxembourgish insurance and reinsurance development. The first one, the classical one is life insurance and non-life insurance companies are serving the local customers. Then came a second phase in the middle of the 1980s, then reinsurance companies established here in Luxembourg. Beginning of the 1990s, the European single market was created and there were a lot of life insurance companies establishing in Luxembourg for selling products from Luxembourg to the European market. Now, recently, over the last three, four years, there were a lot of non-life companies establishing here in Luxembourg. We call them the Brexiteers. <laughs> you understand why? Yes, uh, I can they, understand uh, why. <laughs> they came here to Luxembourg too. So the association has adapted to all these evolutions of the market. And some years ago, as the reinsurance companies got more and more uh, concentrated and also professional, ACA changed the name. So what is ACA doing? First of all, they are trying to help their members to apply in the best way the regulatory framework which is, exists here in Luxembourg, the supervisory framework here in Luxembourg. Then they also lobby. 
We go to the minister and speak up for our members, our insurance companies, for what we think should be best for the insurance market here in Luxembourg and the stakeholders of that insurance market. Third of all, we also, what you call in, in French, an organisation patronale. So we discuss with the unions for our members the collective bargain agreements with the trade unions. Currently, given the very unforeseen, unusual climate that we're in, we spoke about it a little bit earlier, but just to redress that, we're in the beginning of very uncertain financial times as insurance companies, um, your institutional investors. So... What are you thinking now in your role as both CEO of Foyer Group and chairman of ACA? What are you saying to the government? How are you discussing this next year with the government? What are you going to do with the finances? Where will you put the insurance money to keep it safe, to keep it building? What are your thoughts? For, for an insurance company, insurance companies in general, we're living for the moment a very difficult situation. You know, insurance business is long-term business. So we give promises. In fact, insurance companies do nothing else than selling promises. That you will be covered if there's a fire on your house, that you will get a pension when you retire. So we promise. To guarantee these promises, we have to put money aside, as you said, and we have to invest that money. Now, this money has to be invested according to what you call the prudent man's rules. So you should be careful because... At the end, it's not your money, it's your policyholders' money. Now we're in an environment where we have negative interest rates, a lot of volatility on stock markets, so it is very difficult to find the good investments. Also, enough investments which generate revenues to finance your promises. The good thing here in Luxembourg is that by tradition, all our insurance companies have always been granted by very high level of solvency. Solvency, what's that? A solvency ratio is the money you have to have compared to the promises you, you need. And if 100 is the minimum requirement, uh, the average in Luxembourg uh, for all companies is at 170 or more than 200. So it's very high, which helps us to get over a crisis which can last several years. But sooner or later, we have to find other ways to, to solve the problem. Negative interest rates generally for the economy might be correct for the problems of today but on the long run it is very strange and I, I cannot imagine as an actuary that a world could work when money is worth nothing because the interest rate is a price for the money and if money is worth nothing there might be strange behaviors uh, popping up. We're sitting in the heart of Luxembourg which is a finance capital of the world. What do you do to keep in touch with the, the various finance markets here. You know, you've got all sorts of different funds. You've got all sorts of headquarters for financial institutions. I'm pretty sure both of your roles as chairman and CEO keep you extremely occupied, but still because of this very deep financial part of your role, how do you keep in conversation with all of these people? By taking benefit of one of the advantages of Luxembourg, being small. Being small means also that the way to reach your partners in discussion are small. You know each other more or less. It's a small community. And so the, the collaboration is normally very good. That's one thing. There are also inst uh, organizations. 
that you have ACA, you have ABBL, which is a Bankers Association, you have ALFI, which is an association for the funds, you have other associations. They all are located in the House of Finance. So just when they have all their offices, one beside the others, they can talk. And then we have general transversal uh, organizations like Profil, which is the head organization of the different financial organizations. Different associations are participating in uh, Luxembourg for Finance, which is an agency which helps to put forward the advantages of the Luxembourg financial sector. So we have a lot of different informal and more formal ways where we can exchange. You did mention already in your role as chairman of ACA, you lobby the government at times. I'm quite sure in these very unknown times, you're talking to the government as much as they are available to be spoken to. Do they ask for your advice on on various things related to insurance or or the, the greater financial market in general? I think it is always wise for a government to ask for advice, actually not only for ins- by ACA, but also by other uh, organizations, be it customer protection organizations, being trade un- unions, but yes, they do. Very simple uh, example, the government said uh, what has happened now in the pandemic crisis, a lot of professions was adapted at the moment, but they didn't want to repeat that every time, so that there are some financing solutions have to be found, small enterprises rest to better cope if this might happen again to better cope with such a situation. And there, for example, is a working group which will now start working in between ACA representatives and the Ministry of Finance. We've just had this pandemic. It's got huge ongoing repercussions, as you say, for the next few years globally in our financial markets. And your role, really, the main role in insurance is to be able to guess trends. How are you going to do that now? The world has changed quite fundamentally, that we all agree on. But certain things, certain risks have not not fundamentally changed. Some still discuss it, others think it's happening. I'm with those rather, that we are in a climate change and that we have react, uh, to react on that. And climate change also introduces more and more catastrophes, uh, nat- natural hazards happening, which also have an insurance cost. If you look, for example, now there has been a very big storm in Florida, Alabama. Uh, that's a cost, uh, I read this morning, that uh, for the moment they're guessing that will cost 3 billion insurance costs. These are uh, not only financed by the pure local insurers, but in, by the international insurance and reinsurance market. And there are a lot of uh, challenges which have to be done, and it's not Foyer or another Luxembourgish insurance company or even in uh, Swiss Re or Munich Re, which uh, just work that alone. There's an all insurance comp- uh, an, uh, a whole community, be it an academic, but also more an, uh, in an industrial community, which are thinking what, what will happen, what could happen. And if there is an uh, insurance solution to these problems, very often the answer is yes. Sometimes, and for the pandemic crisis, the answer will be no. Because uh, you only can insure a risk if it's not happening to everybody at the same time. Otherwise, it's not possible. That's why we have to get creative, trying to find other ways to save for the next risk, save money to finance the next risk, 
to, uh, to have a good participation also between private and public and also to be very clear which are the things we really think has to be taken care of in the next pandemic and which, which are those we can't take care of. Now, just to finish, we're entering a new school term, university term, whether it's digitally or in real life. Insurance might be one of those subjects that people don't think about for a career. Being an actuary, from what I know, um, perhaps because of its maths link, is generally quite male. How many females were there in your year at university, percentage-wise, roughly? At uh, my actuarial studies, I would guess something in between, 15 to 20 percent max. Okay, that's not too bad. 15 to 20 percent is more than I was guessing it might be. I would like you to sell to any of our younger listeners what life as an actuary and life in insurance could be like. Awesome. <laughs> in one uh, word. <laughs> no, uh, no, I think it is, um, it is a very broad profession. You touch a lot of different topics. Being an actuary, you have a very broad choice of career from uh, going much more into data science or finance or just uh, general management as I did. You have a, a, lot of, a lot of things in your actuarial studies you have touched on and it gives you a very broad approach to problems. And it is very clear, it is an, a choice for an, a practical ac application of your can academical knowledge you have got at university. So it is very clear, it's an, a, a practical profession. And that's what I liked. That's what I thought was great. You learn a lot of things and later on you ask yourself, what can I do with all these things? And if you go to be an actuary, very often you see very clearly the application of what you've studied beforehand. Mark, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to have you and we wish you and your company and all of the companies associated with ACA the very best of luck as you swim your way through the next few months and years in these uncharted waters. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you.